We're going to look at a passage here in um, 1 Kings, verse 19. I'm going to talk a little about, bit about Elijah, Elijah, not the Elisha, or as one of my old friends from Michigan. Now, the fact that he's from Michigan is not any discredit to the rest of you from Michigan, and perhaps not related to what happened here, but this huge Michigan farm boy, like six foot six, 260 pounds. And when reading from the Bible, he would refer to Elisha as Elisha. And uh, because of his size, no one really wanted to make too much fun of him. But we all laughed inside. But we're talking about Elijah the Tishbite. I need to get rid of this gum here. Elijah the Tishbite. So everybody say Tishbite. Tishbite. I always thought it'd be a cool idea to have like some Christian snack um, called Tishbites that you could... Um, Patent and have at parties. Anybody care for a tish bite? Um, I'll take two. These Elijahs are wonderful. Um, but uh, anyway, he was, uh, he was a tish bite. He was from that group of folks. And uh, he was an amazing man of God. And so what he is very well known for is what happened just before what we're going to read about, um, where he had an amazing victory. And the power of God displayed itself and brought a great victory for the people of God. So uh, we are jumping in in uh, chapter 19, and this is just after um, what an old preacher friend of mine used to refer to as the crisis at Carmel, when we had the uh, wicked king Ahab and his wife Jezebel, who were causing the people of God to turn to Baal and to false gods. And Elijah, provoked by God in this atmosphere of godlessness and evil, he actually, responding to the word of God, he chose to run to the enemy, Ahab, to confront him head on and to challenge him to put his false beliefs to the test against God. And he called all the prophets of Baal, hundreds of them, to come and meet with him at Carmel, where they created a sacri- uh, they, they slaughtered a bull, and they prepared uh, a little altar to make a sacrifice to God. And he, one man stood against hundreds of prophets of Baal and challenged them to, make a, to cause this sacrifice to go up in flame to prove that Baal was real over God. Yes, that's what I said. <laughs> to prove that, that, that their assertion that Baal is real over God. And so they gathered there, and of course we have the prophets of Baal who started calling upon their God, And nothing happened, and they started slashing themselves, as is the twisted custom, and nothing happened. And then Elijah got the servants to cover the sacrifice in water, just to drench it completely, so there could be no shadow of a doubt that it was God that came and revealed himself. And then he went and he called on God, he knelt down, and he asked God to come and consume the sacrifice. And the Spirit of God came in fire, and the entire thing was consumed, the water was all consumed around the edges, and he triumphed over the false 
assertions of the enemy and prove to the people that God is the one true God. And so we had this great victory. He then went and slaughtered all the prophets of Baal. So there was, a, there was this uh, sense that he knew that, it, that his victory was only by the Spirit. It was nothing to do him, with himself. And then he put to death all the prophets of Baal, which is something that we don't do now. We don't war against flesh and blood. Um, but he brought judgment upon them. Now, Christ took the judgment for the sin. So we don't, we don't bring judgment on people today. We bring people to Christ so they have the opportunity to receive salvation. And then Christ will be their judge, not us. So here we have this amazing victory. And we have this man, Elijah, who then came from this place. And he now came into a time of testing. And we're going to read about it in the following nine verses. And what you will find often in life is that when you have had a great victory or a great season of victory, when there has been a great uh, intervention of God, when you have seen the hand of God moving, that the enemy will come quickly and test to prove the result of what has just happened. Has it been something that has changed and transformed you inside? Are you different as a result of the outpouring of the Spirit? He will come and test you to try and stop the, the legacy that will come from the outpouring of God. Elijah went on from this after he went through this testing season and then he anointed a new king. He passed on the mantle of his prophetic anointing to somebody else and so that legacy would go forward. He expanded. He took what he had and he spread it out to more people so that people could carry on what he had begun and do it in a greater measure. But after every great victory, I often find that there is a testing because God wants to prove out our faith. The Spirit of God is looking to partner with those who truly are convicted, who will find that faith and are then prepared to act upon their convictions. And He can overcome that human weakness and limitation and fulfill His promise. And we want to learn from the life of Elijah so that we can be that people. Amen? Let's go ahead and read this passage here in 1 Kings and uh, chapter 19. Um, it's up on the screen here. And so we read this. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. So that was a common a pattern of bringing a curse on someone. Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. The man who had previously run to the enemy under the power and inspiration of, of God now ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, and sat down under it and prayed that he might die. Wow, that's depressing. So uh, some translations say he came to a juniper tree. So a juniper tree um, has a little yellow flower. It's very bitter. And you can actually eat 
um, parts of that tree, and it was common at that time for those people who were poor and oppressed, who didn't have any other food, to eat from the juniper tree. So here we have this man who was anointed by God, created a an amazing victory at the hand of God who now runs off, is hiding. He's in the place of eating something that is bitter, like someone impoverished and wanting to die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank, and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Then he went into a cave and spent the night. Now we know what happens following after this. He went to the place where uh, Moses had received a, a covenant from God. Horeb is a part of Mount Sinai. And he went there and then God revealed himself to him. First of all, there was an incredible uh, wind, and a violent wind. Um, but God was not in that. Um, and then we had fire. And there were some other amazing manifestations. Um, and then God came to him in a small voice and spoke to him. So here we have this man who came from a place of triumph. And now he is in a place of crisis again. But what he did here determined how he got from this place. And he took a point of brokenness, and made it something which created a legacy. And when we're in a place of testing like this, we always have the opportunity to choose to turn to God and to come again into a place of productivity and to life and into legacy. And God is faithful no matter how dark it may seem, no matter how despairing we are, how much of an extreme that we may have swung from, he is faithful to make a way for us to enter into what he has for us. And so Elijah, this hero, transforming a nation, here he is now saying he'd rather die. Now, I may have experienced some extremes in my life. I'm sure you have too. But I don't know if what you've experienced is such an extreme as what we have Elijah experiencing here. And I want to say to you that whatever it is that you may have experienced in life, whatever high you may have come from, whatever low you may be at, that God is able to take you back and take you to the promise and to the inheritance and to what he has promised for you. He will find a way and there is no, there was nothing that is impossible for him. So, what was it that Elijah did in this place that is contained within this passage here that we can learn from? And how did he get past where he was at to move forward into what God had for him? We're going to get look at three aspects here real quickly. Uh, number one, 
he had to leave himself behind. Sometimes you've got to get rid of your self. And when I say self, I'm talking about that aspect of our thinking, our, our rational mind, that which is human and fleshly, that, that is oppressed by the circumstances and can cause us to respond emotionally and to make decisions based on what we see and what we hear and what we feel. But here was Elijah who had received a commission from God and now started believing things about himself such as, I am no better than my ancestors. That is what he said of himself. But he let his eyes drop from the himself down to himself. In Hebrews 12, 2, we read the passage here about um, our commission, and that is to fix our eyes on Jesus. I believe we have the scripture here that we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, he despised the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. That when I begin to look at those things around me, and I look into myself at how I'm feeling, and I take my eyes off himself, and what he has said, then I get into this danger zone like Elijah, where it's all about introspection, and I begin to get blinded to the actual truth of what God has said. The promise to Elijah was one that he would be a deliverer of the nation. But as he looked within himself, his conclusion was, I am no better than my fathers before me. And that was a lie. If we take our eyes off the one who speaks truth and look only at within ourselves, we're going to be susceptible to the lies that the enemy will try and perpetrate. So if we can follow after the footsteps of Elijah, we've got to be prepared to recognize the self, leave the self behind, and focus on him who is the author and perfecter of our faith. Amen. We've got to get the self out of the way and let God do the work. We can't judge our life by what happened yesterday and let that determine what's going to happen tomorrow and for the future. Elijah just looked at a microcosm of time. He looked at yesterday and he stopped and let that determine what he was going to think about tomorrow. If we want to be experienced, if we want to be mature, if we want to be expert, becoming experienced comes from having experiences. Without experiences, we will never be experienced. And we have to walk through these seasons and these times when there is oppression and where there is pressure and when we're tested because if we can go through the experience, then we end up being experienced. And it's the experienced person, the one who gets towards that place of maturity in going through the trials and being conformed into the image of Christ, 
that is the one that is able to draw on an increasing measure of grace and be able to inherit that which God has spoken. Amen? So we've got to recognize when we're in the experience, let's be thankful for it, let's relish it, and let us become experienced by moving through the experience. Amen? All right. So, number two, Elijah, what did he do? He got up. So we have to get up, and sometimes again. <laughs> get up again and again and keep going. We read here, so he got up and he ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled for 40 days. He got up. I think it's kind of interesting here we read that there he was lying down under the juniper tree, and he fell asleep. Which is interesting that when you're under that much stress, I think it's hard to fall asleep. But anyway, he fell asleep. I guess he was tired. And then an angel prodded him, knowing what Elijah intended to do, where he intended to go. An angel prodded him and said, you need to eat and drink. And there was this amazing fresh break bed, uh, bread. I bet it was the best bread that you or I would ever have eaten. Baked over hot coals. It just sounds amazing. And there was a jar of water. And I guess that was not really remarkable to Elijah. So he ate the bread and he drank and he went back to sleep again. <laughs> um, and then so the angel, thankfully angels are patient and so is God, prodded him again and he woke up. And I guess he was super hungry because he needed to eat again and drink again. And then strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights. I was told one time about an account of a very famous um, boxing trainer who was with a younger junior trainer, and they were watching two boxers fight. And they were observing them. And there was one boxer fighting another who had a very effective right hook. And he was boxing, and he kept hitting his opponent and knocking the guy down. And so the younger trainer talking with the old seasoned guy, looking at these two boxers to see who it was that they should invest their time in, their resources, their, their life, their expertise, the younger trainer said, you know, this guy has an amazing right hook. We need to get this guy on board, get him with us, and train him. The older seasoned trainer, after some time watching this happen, and this boxing match between these two guys, said, no, it's not the guy with the amazing right hook that we need to give our lives to that we need to bring on and train. It's the guy who he keeps knocking down because this guy keeps on getting up again. I can train this guy to have a good right hook, but I can't train him to keep getting up time and time and time again. But our ability to get up again and move on and keep going is something that we are in charge of. And it's not a function of the amount of skill we have, the amount of gift we have, the upbringing that we have, it is a function of a choice that we make and a decision we make to recognize who he is and what he has said and say, I am going to respond to who you are. I'm going to respond to what you've said and I am going to get myself up off the floor and I am going to keep going. 
Because everything else that we need, God can put into us and train us. But sometimes we have to get up and we have to get up again and sometimes again and again and again and again. But if we get up and keep going, we're going to enter into the inheritance and to the future which God has for us. Finally, number three, we got to go find him. Elijah decided, as he lay there under the juniper bush, under all this pressure, wanting it all to end, as he was pondering all this, he made a decision, I'm going to go back to Horeb. He said, I'm going to go to Mount Sinai. Horeb was the mountain of God. It actually means desolate or a desert. But he went to the place where he knew God had spoken and made a covenant with his people. And I believe that in the vacuum of hope that he had at the time, he chose to go to the one place that he knew God had been, that God had come and spoken and intervened and spoken to his people, and he chose to go to the place where he believed he would find God. And he journeyed there some 40 days and 40 nights, because I believe within himself, he said to himself, I don't feel like God is close right now. I don't, I don't know where he is in the scheme of things, but I'm going to go to the place where he's been before. I'm going to go to the place where he's spoken before, and I believe that if I go there, that I am going to find my God. And he set on a journey to find God. Sometimes we have to look at ourselves and go back to the place where God last spoke to us before. And sometimes, if we haven't responded to what God has already said, then he's certainly not going to say anything else to us. But Elijah made a decision to go and find God, to go to the place where God spoke. And I believe that for us, like Elijah, if we set out on a journey to go find God, God will give us what we need, the provision and the sustenance, to get to where he is. It was 40 days and 40 nights that he's traveled. It's interesting. That was a season of time that Jesus was in the wilderness. 40 days and 40 nights. He was sustained by God in the wilderness. And Elijah here was sustained by God, given what he needed to get to the place where God would speak. But if we can make a decision and we can fix our eyes on him and get rid of the self, if we can get up and keep getting up and keep going, then God will give us what we need to get to the place where he will speak to us. Because he is looking to partner himself with people who are champions of the faith, who have a heart to see his will done and his purposes fulfilled. And so I want to take a minute here, and I'm just going to ask you to stand if you will, and I just want to pray I'm going to ask Brandon to come up here and wait on the Lord for a minute and ask the Lord to show us where we are at in this journey right now and what it is that he is highlighting for you and I that we can respond to to enter in 
to the commission that he has for us. If you could, just take a minute, close your eyes. We're going to pray. I want you to think about what has been spoken this morning, what has happened this morning. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? That's where it started. Recognizing who he is. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, in the midst of whatever we are facing right now. No matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstance, no matter how big the mountain looks, no matter how immovable it may seem, there is nothing and no one that can stop you. Take a moment, whatever the mountain is, whatever it is that you may be facing, whatever seems insurmountable, whatever, whatever would cause fear or cause you to want to run or to turn back and go the other way or to cause you to be introspective and turn inside, I just want you to visualize that thing for a moment. Look at whatever this thing is and smile. And in your heart and in your spirit, look at it and say, Who can stop the Lord Almighty? And the Word of God says in Mark that if you speak to the mountain and tell it to be moved and cast into the sea, and do not doubt in your heart, but believe that what you say would become, will come to pass, that it would be done for you, and nothing will be impossible for you. So, Father, we believe your Word and we declare over the situation, over the circumstance, over the thing that we are looking at, that you cannot stop the Lord Almighty. And we look at these mountains and we say, be removed in the name of Jesus and be cast into the sea. We command in the name of Jesus that whatever this mountain is, that we don't have to go around it, we don't have to dig under it, we don't have to go over it, but it would be moved out of our way in the name of Jesus. We speak to you, mountain, mountain of fear, mountain of depression, mountain of anxiety. We speak to you, you mountain of finances that seems insurmountable. We speak to you, you mountain of division and disconnect in our families and in our marriages. We speak to you, you mountain of lies that would make me feel inferior or make me feel unworthy to receive love and grace and mercy from Jesus. We speak to you, mountain. We tell you, be removed and be cast into the sea in Jesus' name. We speak to you, mountain, that would cause us to not follow our passions and our dreams and the visions that God has given us. We tell you, in the name of Jesus, be removed and be cast into the sea. We speak to you, you mountain of infirmity, you mountain that has crippled me, either mentally or physically. We speak to you, mountain that has blocking me from the healing and wholeness Jesus has provided. We say, be removed and be cast into the sea, in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, that the veil has been torn. So we speak to this mountain that has caused us to feel distant and far from you. We speak to this lie and we say, mountain that has caused me to feel separated from God or distant from God, be removed and be cast into the sea. We thank you the veil is torn, that intimacy is flowing in this place. We thank you, Jesus, that you are closer than a brother, that you are our closest friend. So we receive a fresh touch of closeness from you, God. Lord, we thank you that there is nothing impossible for you. We thank you that nothing can stop you. And we, we receive the joy of gladness that will come into this new year and into this new season. Lord, we look forward to 2017. Whatever's past is past. Whatever's behind us is behind us. 
But as Paul said, we press on towards the prize, which is Christ Jesus. We look to 2017 and we say, Lord, all that you have for us, we enter with excited expectation and joy that we are your children, that there is freedom and victory and abundance in you and in the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. I just feel really quickly the Holy Spirit wants to minister to people who identify with going from triumph to trial. There's an anointing right here to break that. You've experienced the power of God. You've experienced the fire of God. You've had times where you've experienced the overwhelming presence of God, but you might be currently in a trial. But the Lord says he is going to take you from triumph to trial to triumph again. And your next triumph is greater than the first. Because the anointing that will be released through you and coming through the trial is an anointing that releases the strength and the victory in a much greater level. So I'm going to release that. If that is you right now, if you've been in a trial, just lift your hands to the Lord and lift your heart to the Lord. In the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, I release you now to give sustenance for those people who are walking through a trial. Holy Spirit sustenance, the strength, the courage, supernatural eyesight to look to you, and I release hope in their situation in the name of Jesus, and I release the victory of God in the name of Jesus, and the Lord says to you, surely, surely you will see my face, and surely you will come into my presence, and Father, I decree for everyone here that they go from trial into triumph again in the name of Jesus. Amen.